Ladies and gentlemen, this is Manny De La Cruz, and I want to thank you again for making yourself available for this conversation. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Daniel Botero. He is the founder and, and I'm going to say CVO, the Chief Visionary Officer for Mastering College to Career. Uh, I met Daniel on LinkedIn, and he has a very unique perspective when it comes to helping students uh, bridge the gap between college and a professional career. And his, in, and his uh, advice can cross multiple uh, majors. So, of course, this is STEM-focused, but a lot of the information that he provides is applicable to us as well. Uh, I was had the pleasure of being on Daniel's podcast uh, probably a couple months ago where he and I discussed uh, our, our views as to the importance of GPA. I would encourage you to take a look at that episode. I will go ahead and provide that as part of the uh, show notes. Uh, but today, so I wanted to get him on the, on the podcast again because I noticed something that during this pandemic, he was adjusting the way he was approaching his business. Essentially, he started to... Um, have a lot of one-on-one conversations uh, come to find out it was over 200 conversations that he's had with students so far and I wanted the data I wanted to talk to him to find out why or not why but what are the concerns of students right now given uh, post-COVID-19 life right things about recruiting things about uh, resumes and in general I wanted just wanted to know like what what is on people's mind and and, and what, uh, if anything, needs to be our focus for those of us that mentor and want to help you guys, what do we have to change in order to meet the call of, uh, of adjusting uh, to this new environment? Uh, before we get started, I want to thank everybody who listened to the last episode, and I got some good feedback on account of, uh, of just being able to share my thoughts on, on George Floyd. Since then, look, I've done a couple of things to, to really make this uh, this. Uh, mean something and uh, for myself. And why do I say mean something? Because as I admit in that episode uh, prior to this, you know, I had uh, just, uh, I knew about the issue, but hadn't uh, dug into it. And that might sound weird considering I'm a Latino and, and some of you may say, well, hey, Manny, aren't you um, exposed to racism? Haven't you ever? And of course I have, but uh, my take and uh, my views are are uh, still developing and I have no and I'm not afraid to say that because as, as the time has passed I have seen that a lot of folks that you would think that might even have opinions or don't even know what their own opinions are but since then so what I've done is I started to educate myself look into some of the uh, areas a focus really started to engage with the ERG at work and to understand what is it that we're going to do. But I also did something that uh, I hadn't done and that I saw and that I wanted to make sure that I did and share. And this was to reach out to some of my friends of uh, African-American descent. And so look, I got a mixed bag and I'll just say 50-50, half of a now, I'll say 50% of the folks that I that I checked in on uh, were, were okay and they had their own way of coping with this and and they were maybe cautiously optimistic about what 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 change may come. Uh, and in some cases, some of those folks even were, were I would just say, like neither here nor there. Uh, there was another half, though, uh, that uh, that was found themselves affected and, and distracted and really wanting to uh, understand what their part uh, was in all this or should be. How do you manage, you know, advocacy and and, and going out there and sharing your opinions without uh, necessarily uh, affecting, I mean, maybe the affecting is the wrong word, but uh, without having to cause yourself some hurt maybe with your career or so on. And look, and someone would say, oh, it shouldn't matter, you know, career, you should do what your heart tells you. Well, look, the reality is uh, we have to balance life and it's, and it's real. Sometimes you have to ensure that you understand what you're trying to say and what you're trying to accomplish. So. Uh, and again, I, I am glad that I took the initiative to check in on some people. I would recommend that you do the same. Don't assume that everybody is fine or that everybody has answers. Uh, we are all just trying to figure this out. I want to thank all those students out there and organizations that were very active in sharing uh, on their own platforms, on their own, uh, I'll say, you know, uh, uh, school pages, right, for their clubs, Nesby, SWE, and and ship uh, and a lot of you also were very active in pointing out resources 
Uh, first one that comes to mind is Caterino from uh, UTRGV, always, all day, every day, out there putting information as to, as to how to get involved and so on. So again, without further ado, I please thank you for sticking around and listening to this conversation with Daniel Botero. I hope, as always, that you enjoy the conversation as much as I enjoyed making it. Hey, so today we have a special guest. I think this is going to be, not I think, I know this is the first time I have a a best-selling author that I can get to sit here and interview. I have none other than Mr. Daniel Botero uh, sitting in with me today for the next, uh, for the next uh, swatch of time. I'm just going to call it that. Okay, Daniel, I know we got to get you to soccer, but I'm going to take advantage of all the time that I have to kind of pick your brain and and get to the to the meat and potatoes of a couple of things. So uh, without further ado, Daniel, uh, uh, thank you for making yourself available. Thank you for uh, being flexible with me and and spending the next uh, swatch of time with me. Manny, I am doing well. I am excited to just have this conversation with you, man. Every time we talk, we just exchange so much ideas and we exchange so much thought of what we're seeing in our pocket of the world. And so I'm excited to start this conversation on your podcast um, because the, the conversation we had on my podcast was one of the best podcasts I've ever done. So I'm telling you, this one of the most downloaded podcasts, man. Yeah. Well, thanks. I I, 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 I certainly appreciated uh, being on your project. So, and I agree, man, every time we get together or have some conversation or text or interact, uh, I, I think we feed off of each other with what we're trying to do. So to give a little bit more perspective. So Daniel, you know, he's uh, he's a, a, a and you'll, I'll give you the chance to kind of fill in the gaps here. But just big picture, right? A graduate from UCF, uh, grad, you, you, you graduate, you go work. He goes has a, a, a great career into management with PepsiCo and he started doing his own uh, thing. He was very passionate about helping out students make that transitioning, make that transitions, uh, sorry, from uh, college to career. And he started this uh, project and this his company now called Mastering College to Career. He has an entire uh, portfolio and suite of, of tools to use and his, his story is incredible. And he put all, packaged all that into a book, into a podcast and now an academy. And so uh, just a, a man with a, with a plan and, and a story to tell and, and, and tools for all of us to use. So, so Daniel, why don't you, again, I know I, I went really quickly, but just give me your version of what it is that you do and what it is that you're about. Manny, man. So ultimately what I, what I try to do, right. Whether it's through my book or through my podcast or through my academy, I focus on helping college students, primarily first generation minority students like myself, master the transition from college to career. Meaning, I want to make sure that every first generation minority student graduate college is graduating college with their dream career. A career that's going to set the foundation for the rest of their professional life. One, that they can actually enjoy going to work with and be financially independent. And Everything that I do, whether it's through my podcast, my book, my academy, my LinkedIn content, it's to serve that mission. And so typically, Daniel, if you would say who is a typical, I, maybe the, I don't know if, if, if typical is the right word, but who is the person that would benefit from getting to know you and your content? Um, I'm going to start with the most narrow, 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 and I, I truly believe any college student can benefit from my content, but particularly the one I build the content around. Like, if we think about the avatar, I, I'm thinking of a low-income minority first-generation college student that is very brilliant and smart, like, is smart, but might not understand how to navigate the career process, you know? They might not have the right guidance or doesn't have someone that they can go to and and ask those questions like, when should I apply? Or how do I get ready for the interview? Or how do I network? Because we hear all these things about, you know, who you, who you know is really important. Networking is king and all that. But I didn't know how to network when I was a college student, right? No one, they don't teach you that in school. There's not a networking one-on-one class. 
And so um, I, I create, I think that's where it is. The student that might be like, are very smart, maybe could be very book smart, but don't have the, the knowledge on the networking aspect of it. They'll not understand the knowledge of interviewing or, you know, the soft skills that it takes to land a job. And so, so, so give me, fill, fill in some of the gaps or give me a little bit more detail there, right? So like you, you had this career with PepsiCo and, and if I look at the timeline, right, of your, of your LinkedIn, right, as to when you officially went, you know, 100% into mastering college to career and your time at PepsiCo, there's a bit of an overlap. So this kind of may have started as a project for you that eventually you made the transition. Tell me what that was like or, or what, the, what, what that experience was. Yeah. So I graduated college. With, with a job lined up, you know, like two semesters before I graduated, I had a job offer. And, and Manny, to be honest, I thought that was normal, right? I thought that if you went to school in America, you graduate with a job. Like, you know, call it being naive, call it whatever it was, that it was a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. What I didn't realize, Manny, was that when I, when I came back on campus, right, and I was on the other side of the table, and you can relate to this, you, you go to career fairs all the time. You have a lineup of students lining up to try to talk to you. And I realized that nine out of 10 had no idea or had clarity about why they were there. They would ask questions like, oh, what are you hiring for? Like, yeah, we know PepsiCo. We know the brand, but what are you hiring for? Like, and, or had no idea how to tell them, like, you know, tell me about yourself. They didn't know how to answer that. And then I looked around and I said, you know what? Is it just the people that go to the career fair? And then I go and I look around and I look at my friends, you know, like the people that I grew up with. And then I realized it really clicked to me that my best friends in college, my roommates in college and after college that were smarter than me on paper were actually working in a job that was not fulfilling and were making half the money that I was. And so that's kind of how I started. You know, that's when I started because I was like, you know what, I'm going to help my friends. And it all started with helping my friends get into PepsiCo. Right. I told them this is what they're looking for. This is why you'll be a good fit. I talked to HR and I said, Hey, I have a couple of people I know who would be a great, uh, great for the role for the management training program. Long story short, uh, in 2013, I started bringing into PepsiCo so much to so much that PepsiCo had to make the University of Central Florida a core school. Because I was bringing so many people from that university into PepsiCo because I was so passionate about helping get people into PepsiCo because it's such a great career. And so that's where you see a lot of the overlap because what started out as me helping my friends evolved into me going back to the on campus, being the lead, being in charge of campus recruiting for PepsiCo for one of their core schools. And that led to me going and speaking at student organizations. And then that evolved for me going to not only just the only campus that I visited to, which is the University of Central Florida, to now me traveling around throughout the whole Southeast speaking on how to get a job. Because it got to a point where we didn't need enough people at PepsiCo. We had such a healthy pipeline for our for the region, which is anywhere from Tennessee to Key West, that now I was helping people how to get a job anywhere. And so that's kind of how it all evolved. And then I, I loved it so much. And... I told my wife, I said, hey, like I, I always wanted to start a business. I had already started three businesses and they all failed. And my wife said, Every, you know, all the businesses that have failed that you did were because you had, they weren't what you were really passionate about. You were trying to help someone else start this business. I wish I had something like this when I was a student. Why don't you like, I'll support you. Like I have a good income. Why don't you go for it? And so in May 2018, two years ago exactly, I, I put my two weeks notice in PepsiCo. It was more like a three and a half week notice because I wasn't in a rush and I wanted to leave in really good times. And, and the rest is history. I mean, there's a lot in those two years, but that's kind of how why you see such an overlap. Yeah, so, so you broke away, right? So I love that story. And I've heard bits of it before. And you shared it where you talk about, okay, and you had to make that decision you you saw what your passion was and and you had the back and you you brought it up to your wife and you had the backing and then you went uh, solo so somewhere along the line you put this into print so you know you you decide hey you've seen some patterns you come up with the system you, you and you go through the effort of of uh, writing a book what has that experience been like for you oh man 
it, it was a tough experience because if you know me, one of my biggest weaknesses is my spelling and grammar. I mean, to this point, you can probably go on my Instagram right now and, and there's probably a spelling there. You probably caught it while you were reading it, right? And so to write a book um, was one of the biggest challenges of my life. And I, I did it because my mentor, she's still my mentor today, was like, you need to, you need to share your story. Like you need to put it on paper. It's going to help a lot of students. Like, like it, you're, it, you could do it, you know? And so it was, it was, it was a, it was a challenge. And, and it, to me, it was one of those things. Like if I could write this book that no one can ever tell me they can't do anything, because if a guy can't spell what's well, horrible grammar can write a book and then that book become a best-selling book on Amazon and that in three major categories, then, there's no excuse. And so just to, to, to plug, right. The name of the, what's the name of the book? The name of the book is mastering college to career. Right. And as you said, it's available on Amazon and I was fortunate enough to, you know, have met you early on in the process. <laughs> so I was able to, to get an early advance access to the book. I'm going to say that, make it, you know, we really got to puff it up, you know, and, 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 <laughs> When I read this thing, right? So one, I I knew what I had been seeing your content. I, I was liking what you were selling or what you were saying. I shouldn't say selling because it's genuine. What the message that you had, and and so my background is engineering, and you know this, and I work in oil and gas, and I get I'm in minority recruiting, but at the core, like I'm a very logical person. I like data driven decisions. I like you know we're gonna do something. Uh, I like seeing uh, some sort of technique or method to the madness. And one of the first things that caught my attention about your book, and and, and as I was reading it, I was like, please don't tell me. I hope I please, I pray that the message of this book is not just give it hundred and ten percent. Like I was like, if I read another book that says just try hard and it'll be okay, or everything happens, or, or just cliche one liners like that, I was. I was going to be very upset and then figure out a very nice way to give you my feedback. But thankfully, what I found was a very well thought out, simple to read plan. And and I don't want to give the punchline away, but I want because I want people to pick it up and look into it. But if you're thinking this is going to be like a quick fix, you know, a, a magical, you know, 24 hour transformation, that is not what you're signing up for. And I appreciated how you said there's a and and overall with your messaging is hey you can accomplish a lot of things but you got to be willing to 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 put in some time i think the different techniques and the homework that's in there and so on require there's a there's like an understanding overall i would suppose that there's an agreement and an understanding that you're going to have to put some time in in order to make this program work do you find that your and I love the way you call them students. And I've heard you multiple times. You call these the, the people that you interact with your students. Have you found that your students are surprised by that? Or is that something that they get into uh, a, a willingly and knowingly? They have to get into willingly because if not, they would not be my students. Like I wouldn't, I would, I would, I would reject a student if I don't, if I tell them, hey, like you should join my program with only one condition. Actually, two conditions. I'm lying. Two conditions. One condition is you got to put in the work and execute the strategies. And the second condition is once you get the job, I need a really good testimony. And so, so that's why you're seeing all the testimonials now. But um, it, it is. And you know what's funny is that I didn't realize this until today, man. You won't believe me. There's this, this individual, Rich Keller, um, who I, I'm going to introduce you to, but he... Um, he was a chief marketing officer um, for major brands that you and I recognize, like Planters, Godiva Chocolate, and all this. And he started his own company where he helps people identify their the one word. And today, we, we had, we've had we been going back and forth. I, I, I did this whole like worksheet. It took me like six hours to do. And today, we were talking about it. And you know what my one word is? Uh, was? What's that? One word that describes my whole life is grit grit right and so and so what's crazy about it is that if, if i describe what my program is in one word there would still be the same word it's grit right yeah i am going to teach you grit 
if I can describe what would you learn from our program, more than getting a job, more than networking, more than self-assessment, more than interviewing, more than salary negotiation, you'll learn all that. But what I'm, what I'm here to teach all my students is grit. No, and, and grit and, is putting in the work. And I agree 100%, right? And that was one of the reasons why I kept digging and I said, hey, this is a, a person worth knowing, but not only worth knowing, but also recommending stuff, right? So I started to use your book as, as a giveaway. And, and I've also have enjoyed seeing you connect with uh, with uh, a, a good bit of the ship community, right? Engineers and and so on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and so that the the stuff and the concepts uh, like you said, it's it, it it can be applied to all kinds of majors. There might be differences, maybe if you're between, say, something in business or marketing versus some STEM oriented. But at the core, some of the fundamentals uh, definitely still apply. And I 100 percent recommend somebody look at your material. So along this way, right, you've been developing this program. You're starting to develop business. And I kind of, you know, things are. Uh, for, for all intents and purposes, progressing. And then we started to hear about this thing called COVID-19, <laughs> right? As a matter of fact, as we're recording this, we're still barely coming out of this. Can you give me your perspective from a from a, uh, a business owner, from, a, from an entrepreneur? What was that initial shock of COVID-19 like for you? You know, to me, the first thing was, realizing that like a lot of things the only thing that's certain is, is that there's going to be change right and so i i don't know what the future holds i didn't know what the future holds in april all i could do is i had two options i could either you know just be upset say hey finally when my business was picking up finally when i i had a, created all this academy i had just launched my academy you know this whole COVID-19 happened. I could just close shop, go get a go go get a loan from the bank and say, "Hey, I need help," or I can grow, right? And, and I challenged and I and I said the same thing to all my students. I said, "Look, your internships probably got canceled. You had some of my students got internships were canceled. Some of my students' job offers were canceled. But here's the thing: there's you're either growing." Or you're going back, or you're regressing. There's no such thing as staying still. And while most people during this time just did nothing, you know, decided to curl up in a, in a ball and do nothing, they were going backwards. And the people that decided to take action, not only, let's say that they decided to take 10% more action, well, they're not just becoming a 10% better. If the other people are going backwards and they're going 10% worse, now that gap grows even further, right? And so when I when I, I've always had that mentality, and so for me, when this whole thing happened, I said, "All right, all my speaking engagements are canceled. All my traveling is canceled. I can either pout, or now I have all this extra time in my hand. How do I utilize it better?" And so, like, and I know we've talked about this. So what I did was I just said, "Hey, LinkedIn community." For the next three weeks, I'm opening up my calendar for to give students 30-minute consultations. And I know many of you have talked about this. My calendar got filled up pretty quickly. And for the last two months, three months, I've been speaking to about an average of 10 students every day for 30 minutes. And so that's kind of how I decided to use my time. Yeah. And so look, in, in parallel, right? So, And I love sharing the, the, the COVID-19 stories because uh, I think like, listeners and the students will look at professionals and people like you and me and think, oh, these are, you know, class acts. I mean, they got it all figured out. They're going to, you know, land on their feet every time. And in reality, that's not the case. And I shared with you, like, so I have this, you know, I call, I like the way my friend Fernando Ceballos says it, and you've interviewed him. He calls his podcast a passion project. And so I had to make a decision when my full-time job and the world that I, that I work for oil and gas got turned upside down. And so I had to make this decision and I guess I say I made it, but you know, circumstances kind of dictated the way that I went, that my passion project had to kind of take a pause. And so I, you know, I, I took a, a hiatus from from you know talking to students and 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 replying to LinkedIn messages, posting content, and staying plugged in. Like I literally like hit a wall 
uh, and, and, and it was, it didn't feel good. Like I had this, uh, you know, new year's resolution that I was going to at least record 52 episodes. Eric, that meant that I was going to do one a week for the year and, and, and that didn't happen, but I had to pivot. And so in that, right, I, I, I know that I think you and I exchanged some texts and I think you were even contemplating which way to go. Uh, but, uh, to your point, like there was change, like you had to change your approach, as far as my job, like for me and my job, at some point after I got through the initial shock, there was a, a a pivot point where I had to make a decision of, am I going to come out better on the other side of this, right? Now, mine was a focus on my full-time employment, and and, and but I'll tell you that in, if you work in oil and gas, as bad as things are right now, I have learned so much about how this world works and how markets work. And and, and we used to play like the, the role that I have is, is in economics. And so I had to part of the job is always thinking about what if scenarios. And well, guess what? We lived pretty much every single or a good chunk of what if scenarios out in the last two months as the markets have gone haywire. But in any event, like I, I, I like sharing what happened during these times because I want people to see that it it's not perfect. Right. Even professionals or that are part of your network will still hit those moments in time where they will develop. But making that change or progressing, progressing, as you said, uh, is a conscious choice. Right. It doesn't there, there has to be some element of, of some intentional movement there. So you talked about something there that was critical, which I started seeing in parallel. Right. Like I started once you started picking back up and I and I saw that you threw it out there and you said, hey, Anybody who wants to talk, like sign up. And then you started posting pictures of your of your uh, calendar, right? Like, and I started seeing these like 30 minute calls back to back to back. At some point I was like, man, that guy's going to be tired. So tell me, uh, tell me about that. What has that experience been like for you to have had this one on one time with so many students in such a short time? It it, it was, you know, a, a blessing in disguise, right? Like, because... I would have never, I would have never, Manny, like never, as, even even if this is my business, right? This is what I do full-time. It went from my passion project, like yours, right? And I, and I made it into my full-time job. But I would have never went and said, you know what? I'm going to take two months, have no plan on how to make money, and I'm going to talk to students for 30 minutes. I'm going to talk to 12 students, 12 to 15 students every single day for for, for the next two months. Like I would, ne- I would have never planned that. I would have never thought it was a smart business decision. I would have, you know, my my, I guess my advisors in the business would have said like, "Hey, that's a terrible idea. How are you going to monetize that?" Like, you know, at the end of the day, I am a business, right? Like, and but it was amazing because I really got to understand how students were actually feeling, you know, and not just one student or ten students but over 200 students that I've spoken to and understand their fears, their biggest struggles, their obstacles. I've now had students that are Stanford PhDs and now I have students that are sophomores or juniors in community colleges, right? So I have this whole spectrum of students and now I have such a clear understanding and perspective that I didn't have before of what students are really feeling like all across the country. And and like I mentioned before, right? So something that I always like is getting the data, right? And getting the, the, the case studies or whatever. So part of me coming back and starting this project back up, I was like, well, I'm gonna start off with some friends. And I did an episode with uh, some people that I had before and just kind of seeing what their experience had been like with COVID-19 and started to get uh, a couple of other people on uh, to kind of discuss a couple of things. And one of the recurring themes has been around, hey, what does this new world look like for students? And in the back of my head, and here we get to the meat and potatoes of why I wanted to talk to you uh, with also sharing what you do is I want to tap into these 200 conversations that you had. And so that's what I kind of want to spend some time picking apart. So from your perspective, Daniel, what what are the students wanting? What are their needs? What are their concerns? Did you see any any overarching themes or commonalities? Give me your perspective. So are you familiar with the 80-20 rule? Yeah. So 80% of all students have the same 20% of, of, of obstacles, right, or, or, or problems. 
And when I realized that there was three things that really made up for 80% of all the, the struggles the students face. And number one, and, 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 I, and I think they're in order, and, and every student will go through the, there's three phases of the job, of the college to career cycle that students struggle with. And they, they, you know, most of the time go in order, right? Um, number one, it's clarity. So uh, there's three main reasons why students are not getting jobs. The number one is clarity, meaning that they have no true clarity about what they want to do, where they want to work, or, or or anything like that, right? They, they they might say, hey, I'm an engineer, but there's so many types of engineering, there's so many industries, there's so many companies, there's so many positions. And so because of lack of clarity, they're not able to get any jobs. No company is willing to risk hiring somebody who doesn't know what they really want to do um, because hiring someone and not be the right person, the right, the right person is a very costly mistake. Right. Mm -hmm. So number one is clarity. Students lack clarity about what they want to do. A lot of the students that I realized is that they're in college because they just assumed after high school came college. Um, and they thought that that was just the only really way to be successful is to go to college. The second obstacle that students um, struggle with is they don't understand how to network, right? And they don't understand. So the strategy that they currently do, this is the strategy that most students and most of your listeners are probably doing this, is they're applying to every single company that meet the minimal qualifications for, right? They have one resume, they go online, they still answer what's going on with COVID, and I think they did, they, you know, from my, from my understanding, they did this before COVID. They just did it more during COVID, yeah. which means that they just sat in front of their computer, went on Monster, Handshake, Indeed, uh, LinkedIn, whatever platform their university uses, most of them use Handshake, and they just applied to every single job or internship that met the qualifications that they were going. Oh, any major can apply? I'll apply for that. Only engineers can apply? I'll apply for that, right? <laughs> And so what happens, again, so what happens in that scenario, in a company's point of view, is you don't take the time to customize your resume. You don't really stand out. You're one of 1,000 applicants or more, or, you know, and that, that becomes a struggle. And then the third thing is, now let's say you have clarity. Let's say that you have, you have clarity. Let's say that you know exactly where you want to work, and so you customize your resume. And the third obstacle is that they don't know how to communicate well, and so they struggle during the interview. So they might get callbacks. So I, I talked to a lot of students that applied at 30, at 30 companies, which is a good number. Right? It's not a lot, but it's not too little. And out of those 30, they would get generally about you know five to seven interviews, which I would say that's a pretty good ratio, right? Seven interviews out of 30. Um, but then they go to seven interviews and they get zero job offers. That yeah. to me is a red flag, and that happened a lot. So, that happened a lot. That so, was a very common thing. So, and I like the way that you put it, right? You said, hey, there's three things here. Clarity, don't know how to network. And if you do have one and two figured out, you can't tell your story. You can't communicate. So how, how let's, you know, start getting your thoughts. And I kind of want to get your opinions and maybe recommendations. How does one get clarity? You know, that, that's easier said than done. And, and for some people, it's very natural. And, and for others, it's very tough, right? So I, I, I struggle with this, giving this advice, to be honest, you know, just be very open here because to me, clarity came very easy. Yeah. But then I also am married to someone who still has not found clarity, even though um, she's very successful in her career. So she's, she's just very good at everything. Like not like she's just very good at a lot of things and has not that, not this driven passion. But in my search for the answer of this question, because ultimately I want to serve my students, I found that you need to do a lot of self-assessment and a lot of self-reflection. Because the truth is that we take more time to plan our vacation than we do to plan our careers. Yeah. And so what I challenge students to do is to take you know, time to do self-assessments. There's amazing uh, tests out there. My favorite one to recommend is called the Colby assessment it's called a student apps to quiz um that really measures your natural abilities it's the only test that i know of um and based on my research the only test out there that really measures your your natural abilities like when you you were born with those natural inclinations 
versus like Myers Briggs or Strength Banner, the, the mesh of personality, your personality changes as you get older. So most of those tests have an expiration date of less than a year. So the student aptitude quiz is, the, is, is not the what I use with my students. Uh, because it's the only test that, that if you were to take that test when you were five years old and you take it when you're, when you're 25, you get the same result. And so look, and I learned about, actually, this is, the, I learned it from your episode. So you just did this episode with Emily, yeah. Ma, how do you pronounce your last name? Or you struggled too, Malleus, right? So she, no, yeah, yep. you had a great conversation with her. And when I heard y'all two talking about these personality tests, and look, coming from corporate America, I have taken a good chunk of those branded ones. And I think that even after taking all these and what I appreciated from y'all's conversation was this whole thought around an expiration date and how they can be, you know, uh, circumstantial and only, uh, you know, to be uh, impactful or have meaning for a block of period in time. And so I completely when I was hearing y'all talk, I'm like, yeah, so because uh, I knew when I took the test, it depended what role I had. And maybe in some cases, what my outlook for my current role was that could affect how I might go with some of those personality tests. But I did learn through that conversation how this Colby A test is a bit uh, different. But I, and, and I agreed. The other thing that I found interesting about y'all's conversation is just, you know, and, and y'all's interaction. And I encourage people, part of this is a plug, to go back and listen to your material and listen to that episode because I like the way you and Emily had a conversation around well, wait a minute, you know, she's saying, hey, your your MO doesn't change, but you're like, wait a minute, I've changed a lot here recently, you know, and I'm a, I'm a change junkie, like, help me rec reconcile that. Well, it turns out that somebody's MO can be constant change and, and, and being a hustler and grit. And, and so I think you and I both can, can relate with that, but I agree with you. It's difficult sometimes to give that advice on what clarity is, because like for you, you said it was easy. For me, my vote motivation and clarity Maybe it wasn't that I needed to do uh, engineering initially, but I knew I had to do something better for my family. And I needed if I wanted something longer term, I had to go back to school. And once I got into school, I knew I was going to use the resources around me to learn how to best achieve, you know, security and so on for me and my family. And then I learned about engineering. And, and anyway, so it's always been about uh, about using the world around me. But I like how you said, hey, sometimes you need to get some help and sometimes that help can come in the form of these assessments. I think students also have a huge amount of access to free, what I'll say school resources that I would bucket under this clarity need that if you go to your, you know, your student services office, your career services office, go to professors during office hours or and just use that resource of people as a way to find clarity, I think it would behoove you to to do so. What are your thoughts on that as far as schools and, and the resources there for helping students get clarity? Look, all, all, all those resources uh, are, are is better than not doing anything, right? Um, and so I definitely take advantage of the, all the free ones there. I would ask to see if they have the student action quiz. Uh, they do have contracts with some schools so that, that it is it could be free depending on the school you go to. Um, but ultimately, what you want to do is discover yourself. Look, I, I'll take Mary's break and I'll still learn about myself, right? And, and, and that's still valid for about a year, and even more than a year. I mean, but ultimately, what you want to do is help, help you gain more clarity to help you get to the next step and to the next step and to the next step. Um, and, and I don't even tell you, I think I, I am a personal development junkie. I've gone, I, I spent, I kid you not, you probably think I'm crazy, but I, don't, I also don't have kids. When I was at PepsiCo, <laughs> I would spend around ten to $20,000 a year in personal development, right? And so I would take tests like that. I would take, uh, I would go to workshops. I'll buy online courses like There's No Tomorrow. And I think all those things are helpful. And as a student, all those resources that I would pay thousands of dollars for, most of them are free to you as a student. Yeah. So I agree. Like definitely check out career services, your university, your college, like call like the college you attend to, and career services. They a lot of times they have different resources. So definitely check out both. Or even SGA um, has a, a great resources as well. So let's move on to networking. When you say, "Hey, folks, don't know how to network," 
right? So what are your what are your thoughts yeah. on some some quick things? I say quick things. I know this isn't something that you fix fast, but maybe the immediate things to tackle in trying to work this part of the need. I think the, the biggest, uh, the, you have to understand this, like a, a student needs to understand this. I, I, we all need to understand this, right? Humans are inherently selfish creatures. The same reason why you want to go and mess, message a, a, a recruiter from Exxon Mobile on LinkedIn saying, hey, my name is Daniel. I'm an engineer. I want to work at Exxon Mobile. Here's my resume. Can you take a look at it? That is such a selfish act, right? That, that act itself is selfish. You have to understand that the recruiter is a human too, and so they're selfish too. And so I, I want you to walk in and do something different. Instead of you starting the conversation and making it all about you, I want you to make it all about them, about their story, their journey. I guarantee that if a student were to listen to every single one of your episodes and leave you the most genuine review and then message you on, uh, on LinkedIn, you would reply. Like you, would, you probably reply to a lot of students already, but I'm saying you would probably talk to them on the phone. If they say, Manny, I want to thank you so much before I, I, before coming and messaging you and wasting your time because I know how, how, how valuable your time is. I've listened to all the episodes you posted online. I've read every single post you posted on LinkedIn to try to get all the concepts that you've, you've shared. And based on everything that I've learned from you, here's my questions that I have for you. Do you mind sharing 10, 15 minutes with me? Right? And then you give value to Manny by saying, hey, here's the feedback, here's what I heard. I share, I share your podcast with my, uh, with my sh- 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 chapter at the University of Arizona or whatever example we want to use about. So networking really comes down to adding value first. And so just think about networking as a going to, uh, opening a bank account and you need to deposit money before you can withdraw. That's the basics of networking. Um, but networking is the key because visibility is more important than ability at least to get you to the interview. And look, and I, and I like what you said there about, hey, the people on the other side, we're humans too, right? And I think uh, as, I, and I, as I'm hearing you say, hey, you know, what, you know you're, you're, you're giving this, you know, fictional interpretation of who I may or may not answer to, but I'm listening to it and you're right. And I guess I would add, there's a pocket of the responses that I get or, or, or IMs that I get in LinkedIn, right? And I, I might get some that are just, like where it's just very, I'll say like half-assed. I don't know what other words to use. Maybe there's a more professional word to use, but it's half-assed in the I'll sense that they say, hey, here, here's my resume. Let me know if there's any opportunities. I'm like, well, shoot, man, why don't you tell me if there's opportunities? I like, go do a search on the career <laughs> site, right? Show me that you have an appreciation maybe for winter recruiting season happens. And so there's that bucket of the people. Then there's some that I can tell like, you know what? This person's kind of trying and attempting, maybe failing, but I'm going to response and maybe ask some questions that is going to help, you know, that where they should come back with some more specific information to come back. And so those I might work with, I find some of those, let's say 50-50, where I, I might give some homework and they never follow through or they just don't understand what I'm trying to, to accomplish so it doesn't work out. And others will turn into, into some more fruitful relationship. But you're right. There's some that just hit it out of the park, right? Some that have obviously taken the time to understand the message that I'm trying to deliver through the content that I put out or through some, you know, article that I might write. And then they're asking me, they're, they're looking at the content, they're trying to relate it to their situation. And then they're asking specific questions. And now to me, that conversation, that 30 minutes to an hour conversation is so much more fruitful on account that it's more personal, it's more specific, and I feel more like that 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 the conver- that the conversations that start that way are so much more enriching than the basic questions like, "Hey, so tell me what do you do at Exxon?" You know, it's, it's it just ta- it can take on a, a completely different uh, spin, and and I love the ones that are outside of the recruiting season because by the like the ones that aren't like if if somebody is trying to start, you know stroking my eagle a little bit come august it's like well here we go it's recruiting season but those off-season communications i love those because by the time recruiting season comes now i actually might know something about a person 
and, and to to kind of help tell their story if I was pitching them for for a position. So I like where you come from with that that long term investment, and I like your banking analogy that says that says, "Hey, you got to put in in order to get something out." Well, then before, here's the thing, though. Like, I think when you, everything you just said, I, I want to make sure students really get this point. And, you, and if you think about what many just said, and if you want to go back and rewind it as you listen to this in the podcast, that what he's looking for more than anything is how much time you put into the message, right? Like, did you just copy and paste it, right? Is it, oh, here's my resume. Let me know if there's anything available. Many is assuming, and I'm, I'm speaking for you, but I, I, I could just see it myself in the practical time frame. Oh, so you're probably sending this to me. You probably send this to like a hundred other people. You took you no time. Yeah. And then the second message that you said, were like, oh, they're a little bit more customizable. You could tell they put a little bit more time into it. And those you're more likely to reply and have a little bit more dialogue. But the ones that you could tell they put time into it, now then you're willing to invest your time into it. And so what I'm trying to tell the students is this. People always want to help college students. But they're only willing to help you as much as you're willing to help yourself. And if they can tell that you've invested the time into trying to build this relationship, they will invest it back most of the time. But if you're just copying and pasting the message on LinkedIn, and, and it's the same thing, if you're just applying online to every single job, it just doesn't work. So now that I, and, and that's you, you nailed it. So let's talk communication, right? So so you and I love the way you said it earlier when you listed the three, like if you're able to understand number one and you have clarity and if you're able to understand networking and start building some support system around you, man, at the end of the day, you still have to be able to communicate and verbalize. And, you, you know, you say communicate. I say, you know, tell your story. It's the same thing. So, so, so what do we do, Daniel? How do we, I mean, how you have a, a story, uh, how you got to be able to communicate, you know, based on how you grew up and stuff. So, but what is the solution here? I think when we're talking about interviewing or, or communicating your way through the interview, whether it's through the phone, like informal interviews, right? Because you're always interviewing, right? Like if, if, if a student gives, says, if you give a student 30 minutes to talk to you, it might not be a formal interview, right? But you're still in, the, in a way in the interview. If they go and blow and like impress you really well, you might not have a role for them right now. But when recruitment season starts, they're gonna be on top of your head, right? And so it's always about that communication aspect that's important. But so how how do you start? It is very to me comes down to being prepared and being able to prepare and researching because a lot of times we lack the research. And so I want you to research the company and this should have been done way before you even reached out to the company. So research the company, research the role, and then research the individual. To me, it's about finding common commonality. The more you can find in common, the more you can, re, you can have them relate to you and you relate to them, the better the odds is called like, you know, have you ever heard of the halo and horn effect? The halo and horn effect? No, no, no. Explain, please. It's like the psychology terms, like, um, that when someone starts, like, with a really good impression of you, they're always going to have, like, this good impression of you and give you the benefit of the doubt. Meaning, like, if, if you know, they think about, you know, children. You, you meet a kid, he's very polite, he opens the door, um, he says, thank you, sir, he, you know, just very, you know, please and thank you. And then, you hear that this kid broke something. You're going to be like, Billy? Like, Billy was such a great kid. Like, I, I just don't believe Billy would do that. Yeah. Right? And so we, he, there's that, that's the halo effect. And it's the same thing. If you have a kid that's rude and the opposite, and then you hear like, oh, Jeff ran into the table and broke that. You're like, yeah, I could see Jeff doing that. Right? Um, and that's the horn effect. And that happens in corporate America, and that happens when you're interviewing. And so if you can make a really good impression in the beginning, even if you mess up a couple of questions during the interview, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. Oh, Danny was a little bit nervous. You know, this is a really big role. Like, we should, you know, he answered everything else really well. And so I always try to make sure that students understand that because that's why first impressions are so important. You want to do your research 
and you want to find something that you have in common because if you can find the commonality, you're going to have this halo effect versus this horn effect. No, and I like that, and I think it's like another like what I like to supplement to that is uh, you're talking about hey taking an initial networking an initial contact. And I tell people, hey, take the slower approach, try and build that network and have it turn into a relationship, right? That way, at some point, that relationship is going to turn into something official, hopefully, which is that 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 interview, right? That regardless of, you know, what, let me back up. What doesn't happen is, hey, I build a, a relationship with a student and then it's like, well, we have this position coming up. I never once have said, well, I don't have to interview you. I know your story. I'm just going to write up your paper. No, that's not the way it happens. At some point, there's that interview still has to happen. And I like to your point, uh, I can see where that uh, halo and horn effect could definitely, uh, you know, be to one's benefit if they have played the long game. Right. And and built a, a relationship with some recruiter or someone who might have influence upon that uh, upon that interview or that referral for that uh, particular uh, position. So, Daniel, look, uh, as I'm hearing you talk about these three things, I can't help but in the back of my head to say, hey, I'm not hearing anything brand spanking new other than saying, hey, the fundamentals haven't changed. But COVID-19 and this new challenging hiring environment has certainly highlighted and maybe surfaced some of these areas uh, at, a, at a much higher level than maybe maybe in the past. So from your view, like what's new? Like now we're, you know, fall recruiting season may or may not start in, in two or three months. We still don't know, right? We still don't know if college students are going back to campus, if companies are actually hiring, but let's just you know, with all of that unclarity, what, in your opinion, is going to be different for students come uh, come this fall? So he, here's what I've noticed, right? More students than ever are, are defaulting to their, their norm of applying for jobs, which is just go online and apply for every single job um, that you can meet the minimum qualifications for. Here's what I think every student should do. I think you need to focus on humanizing the recruitment process. And here's the thing. Anytime you apply online, you are one of hundreds, and now during COVID, one of thousands of people that are applying for the same job you are. You become applicant number 136, for example, right? You're just a number. And the reason why companies do that, right, is because a company gets so many applicants that they don't have enough resources to actually look at every single application. And so what you need to do is think a little bit and say, all right, how do I humanize this process? How do I go from being applicant number 136 to being Daniel Votero, a first-generation minority student that has a story, that has the skills, and has is a really great candidate, right? Because visibility is more important than ability to get you to the interview. Don't, don't get me wrong, because I know we've debated this before, many about GPA and partner. This is not the same debate. You still need to have the ability, right? You're still going to have that to the interview. Your visibility might get you to the interview, but if you can't do what the job requires, you're just still not going to get the job. We can't fix that. That's not going to be fixed. But we need to get you noticed. How do you stand, how do you stand out amongst the thousands of other people applying for a job? And when you do that, and you get noticed, then you recession-proof your career. Another COVID can happen. The second wave can happen. Look, right now we're between you know people anywhere from 15 to 25 percent unemployment rate. Like you know the numbers are a little iffy. That still means there's about 75 percent of people still employed, of people who want to work are still employed. So what that means is that employers get to be pickier about who they want. But don't get don't get me wrong. Like, people are still hiring, and not in every industry. But the people are still hiring, and when they run into good talent, they make spot for it. And if you have a couple of minutes, I would love to share what one example that happened last week, Danny. No, please, absolutely. So I'm not gonna name. I'm not gonna say the company or the name just because it has not been completely official. Like the contract has not been signed, but. A vice president of campus recruitment 
for a, a large financial uh, institution in California reached out to me because she had saw that I was very passionate about helping first-generation minority students. So uh, she scheduled a call on my calendar. Um, we talked yesterday or last week on Monday, so over about a week ago. And she was telling me that um, she was tasked to grow the internship from 25 to 75 interns this year. Um, and what well, the, the internship is growing and, and but she, you know, I was like, so, you know, how, how, how has all this been affected with COVID? And she goes, you know, instead of having 70, I had to, you know, really had to bring him down to 33 and I had to move him to virtual internship. So her original plan was to go from 10 to 70, but because of everything going on, she just had to go from 70 to 30 to 30, 33, right? And they had to be moved to virtual internships. And so I said, what positions were you hiring for? Long story short, I, there was a student that I mentored that like met, like was a great fit for what she was looking for. So I said, do you mind if I share with you this LinkedIn profile of one of my students? Um, and she goes, no. And I, and I just pretty much said, this individual, I'm telling you, he's worth a conversation. Many, the internship had been closed. They had already told 60 other people that they, they, they weren't going to get an internship, right? She looked at his profile and I, I, you know, shameless plug, his profile looked amazing because he followed the, the steps of the, of, the, of the program, right? And it led to her reaching out to him to interview him. Now, Go, let's go back. This is the same thing as the halo and horn effect. There was the halo effect, right? I had already referred it. She respected me. She reached out to me on LinkedIn. I was giving him the green, like the, I was saying, you, this guy is worth the talk. Even if you can't hire him now, you need to have him in your pipeline kind of deal, right? And the student deserves everything I said about him, by the way. So it's not like I was just trying to hook him up. Long story short, I spoke to her on Monday. They spoke on Tuesday. He interviewed with the uh, with the engineering department on Wednesday. On Thursday, he had an internship offer making over $25 an hour. During COVID-19, she got to went and argued to the finance department to get funding for this too. Wow. That's, that's an amazing testament to what, uh, you know, someone putting in the time and actually, you know, working part of their network and, and actually building a story. And I, I love something that you said, Daniel, and I think it, it I don't want to run over it, but you said, Hey, I wasn't just like hyping them up. I wasn't just giving them the hookup. They deserved everything and actually could deliver on everything that, that you were saying. Right. So I, that, that needs yeah. to come out loud and clear. Cause I think I have met, uh, uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but a, a fair number of folks that think that networking is about finding that one person that's going to hook you up because they like you. And although that might exist, I tend to think that there's people that are willing to help you. But like you said, hey, that you might get the visibility on the game that you talk, but you still need to bring the ability. And in order for someone to put their neck out for you, because look, you're at the end of the day, and you said this yourself, hey, you're 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 doing you're, you're a businessman, you're out on a ledge here doing your own thing, and you have a reputation and a program to to secure. So you're just not going to give a free pass to somebody just because they think they're you know they're someone that you'd want to have a uh, a beer with. So look, Daniel, I could I, this conversation could go on for another hour or so or more because I, I would love to pick your brain about the whole mentorship and sponsorship and advocacy and a whole mess of stuff. But this is what I'm going to do. I want to make sure that I give you the time to talk about your your products, your services, and how someone can, uh, can, can get a contact with you and get the ball rolling on your system. I appreciate the opportunity, Manny. So uh, easiest way to contact me is LinkedIn or go to masteringcollege2career.com. And my whole, my, whole, my whole business is all around helping students graduate college with their dream job. Um, I primarily focus with first-generation minority students, and I have a couple of ways to work with me. I have all the way in the top, I have what's called the inner circle, which is like personal one-on-one -on -one mentorship. And those are for students that are either seniors or recent grads 
that just want that more hands-on help and things like that. Not everybody needs that amount of help. That's a little bit more expensive, obviously, because you, you're getting a lot of my one-on-one time. And then I have a group coaching, which is very similar to the inner circle, but that is all mainly 80% is web-based through a series of step-by-step uh, modules with worksheets and workbooks. It teaches you how to network, teaches you how to gain clarity, and it teaches you how to interview. And then for the students that, you know, are on a budget and they just want to learn the, the, like the, the concepts, I'm rolling out a subscription model where it's only $5 a month and we have bi-weekly group coaching calls and it's essentially the Netflix of career development for first-generation minority students and that's literally $5 a month and I'm working on getting sponsorships for companies so that that becomes free for students moving forward. And I will reiterate that uh, all of these resources are going to require a level of commitment there is a, a maybe an unspoken, but now spoken. Hey, we've said it multiple times in this last hour. You have to be willing to put in the time. If you are, are feel that you're raw talent and feel that you have something to bring to the table and you just need the help of someone or a, or a way to kind of get an action plan together to, to get you what I'll say boardroom ready or get you corporate ready. Like there is a, a mess of folks that are willing to help you. And Daniel Botero and his system for Mastering College to Career is certainly one of those great resources. Daniel, thanks for spending the last hour with me. I am thankful that we got to do this. Uh, I love looking at your content and I, and I am encouraged by what you're trying to do. And I look forward to our next conversation, man. Thank you for having me, man. Such a pleasure. Have fun at soccer.